Oh, come on. I can't hear you guys. Anybody ready to hear from God? Angel, you ready? All day, every day? I like that. Juan, you ready? I think, I think some people are ready. Randy, you all right? I want, I want to cover something today, a very familiar passage of Scripture that we're going to look at, a story that you could probably tell me in your sleep. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuels, chapter 17. We're going to start at verse 20. I'm going to read a rather large portion of Scripture, but don't worry. We're going to go somewhere. Amen? I'm excited. I am excited about what God wants to do in your life today. Amen? Come on, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come into your presence right now, and we declare and we decree in this place. That every work of the enemy distracting our minds, we curse it right now. Every work of the enemy distracting me from trying to hear the word of God, we rebuke it right now. Everything that's trying to stop my ears from hearing your word today, God, we curse it from the root, God. And we declare in this place, God, that your will shall be done, your will shall be had, your word shall be spoken, and we shall be encouraged in this place. Let this word fall on good soil today, God, that we may benefit from your word. That we may learn from your word, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say amen. Amen. And the scripture reads, I'm starting in verse 20. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd, loaded up, and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Somebody say war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. And David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual, somebody say usual, defiance, and David heard it. And when the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. Now David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Somebody shout, living God. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Now when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he turned, or rather he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now, what have I done, said David? Can I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the man answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one, somebody say no one. Lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, you are unable to go out and fight this Philistine. You are only a boy and he has been fighting man from his youth. 
But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from his flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Because he has defined the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, the Lord be with you. And Saul dressed David in his own tunic, put a coat of armor on him and bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. And so he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, David approached the Philistine. And meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, I am, a, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the year and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom have you defied. This day the Lord, somebody say this day, the Lord will hand you over to me, devil, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. And today... I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the year and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Bridgeport. Somebody say amen. amen. All those have gathered there will know that this is not by the sword of the spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag, taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. And so David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him, and he took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. This is the most important part. Listen, when the Philistines saw their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Sometimes you're so busy. No, no, listen, listen. Sometimes you're so busy facing that giant in front of you, you forget there's an army of problems behind you. You know what? I came to tell you today that this time the devil should run from his life from you. This time you have a giant in front of you, but God desires that you would walk in faith. We, we, we see David in this stage in his life. I want to take a moment here. We see David in this stage of his life in a very precarious position because David, I want to listen to this, he's in between the anointing and the appointing. David has been anointed king but not appointed king. He was anointed king at 15 years old. Now he's about to fight Goliath at 17 years old and he would not become king till he was 37. Sometimes when God calls you and anoints you, it doesn't mean you got to start preaching. you got to need to wait. You don't understand this. Maybe God has called you to do something phenomenal. Don't rush into it. Let God work it into you. David had to be patient. David had to be patient in walking in what God has. Anybody believe God has something for you? 
Anybody, you believe with all your heart that God has something powerful for you? God has something amazing for you? Just because he's given you a vision and anointed you doesn't mean he's appointed you. Wait on God. When you make it happen yourself, you get the glory. When God does it, he gets the glory. And so David here is in a very precarious position. He, he's in a, in a horrible time in his life. Anybody ever been a teenager before? Oh, talk to me today. We have some, that teenage years is the worst time of our lives. Somebody say amen. amen. You teens out there putting your parents through hell. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I've been there, done that. He was 17 years old approximately when he fought Goliath. And, and as you see here, David has been going through some things with his family. David is a very interesting character. He's anointed but not yet appointed. His father rejects him. It's long known in the Bible David had daddy issues and his father disliked him strongly. So much so that when all the, his sons came before the prophet Samuel to be, to be anointed as a king, and he didn't even bother to bring David out. He left David in the field and, and Samuel said, listen, there's got to be another one. He said, I got, I got one more. He's a, he's, a little, he's a little runt. He's just the youngest of the bunch. He's nothing to look at. You don't want him. You want one of these big ones. And, and God told Samuel specifically, these are not them. And so, as you see, David had some daddy issues. Somebody say daddy issues. Sometimes you have to understand that just because I told you before, people don't choose you doesn't mean God doesn't pick you. And so David was anointed. Somebody say anointed. And I say it again, but he wasn't appointed. So David is dealing with all these family issues. And as David comes to the camp, the battle lines are being drawn all over and you see, when they used to go to battle back in the days of the Bible, they would draw a line and, and all the army would line up on one side of the valley and the other army would line up on the other side of the valley. And in order to save lives, what they would do was they would have the champion of each army come out and they would say, they would say, listen, your best guy fights my best guy. Whoever wins, wins the whole war. Thousands of folks don't got to die. That's how they did it back then. And so Goliath is doing his part, but nobody's stepping up for God's people. When David walked in, he wasn't mad that they were offending him. He was mad they offended God. I need you to get this today. He wasn't mad that they talked about him. You see, you get mad when somebody talks your name, but they're talking about God in you. It's not you. And so he was defiant for God's name, and he was upset because his God was being taken advantage of his God was being cursed his God was being mocked and all these people of God were not stepping up like godly men the men the Bible says ran and hid they looked at this giant with human eyes so many times we face a giant that we look at in our life with human eyes our perception is all messed up you see Saul and Israel saw a giant too big to hit David saw a giant too big to miss you got it. It's all about perception. You look at something and it's all about perception and what your standard is in your eyes. What do you see? It was the same giant, a different perspective. David saw that he could defeat him. Israel saw they could be defeated. What do you see when Satan comes after your life? No matter how negative it may look, understand that God can change it. The word scared and the word sacred have all the same letters. It's all about perception. The word awful has the same first two letters in the same preposition as does the word awful. Every word, every situation in your life, no matter how negative, has the ability of transformation, just like terrific and terrifying. 
It's all the same word, a different perception of an emotion. And so the word sacred is the word scared. And the word awful is the word awesome. And the word terrify is the word terrific with a different perception. What is your perception when the devil comes after you? What is your perception when you see things? You see, we are so easily defeated by our human eyes. And I told you three weeks ago, God said, don't walk by faith. Walk, rather, don't walk by sight, walk by faith. Saul and his army perceived defeat, but David perceived definition. I don't, I got to understand this. David saw that if he would kill the giant, he would define himself as something greater. But all, the, all, all that Saul could see was the defeat. What are you facing in your life? What is it that's got you really backed up against the wall? What giant wakes up every morning with you and yells across the valley that is your life? What is it that is always holding you back from giving God your best? What is it that you have not served God the way you could? When Saul looked at Goliath, they perceived strength. When David looked at Goliath and all his armor, he knew something. He knew Goliath could not maneuver because his armor was too heavy. You got to read the Bible. It says that the way David ran up on him, you got to see this, is because he knew that Saul could not move around. Rather, Goliath. Israel, the army perceived the monster, but David perceived the miracle. You have to understand this. Saul perceived the problem, but David saw promotion. When someone curses you out, when someone treats you badly, what do you see? An opportunity to scream at them or an opportunity to show God's love? This is called everyday Christian living. When you're tempted with sin, do you see an opportunity to fall into sin or an opportunity to be an overcomer? When you're worried about reading your Bible, do you see an opportunity to be faithful or an opportunity to be faithless? What is God trying to show you in your life every day? You see, the problem is that when we see an issue in our life, we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. We see the issues as we are. You see, when this giant's too big, we look at ourselves and say, I can't beat that giant. I can't beat this addiction. I can't be, be used by God the way he wants me to use. I can't be done nothing for God. I can't. When God says, don't look at yourself, look at me. Look at what I can do in you. You getting this today? It's not about what you can do. Don't look at your problem as you are. Look at it as God is. We stack ourselves against our problems. You can't. Yeah, listen, I'll never stack my paycheck against my budget. It'll never match up. I stack God with my finances, and God always provides. I stack God with my church, and God always provides. I don't look at the things I have to overcome. I look at the things I have to do, and because I know what I have to do for the kingdom, God always provides. Saul, he was fearful. He was already defeated by seeing Goliath because he was a fearful man. But David saw courage and victory because that's what David was. He was courageous and victorious in life. If you would look at your circumstances and all your situations with the eyes of God, you would have a, a different level of freedom. We must be confident and courageous and realize that God is with us. I think we say it, but we don't believe it. We say God's with me. Oh, I know everything's going to be all right, but we don't believe that. If we believed that, we wouldn't do half the stuff we do. Got two people. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, that's right. Yes, a couple more. Just joined in. Yvonne just joined in. There you go. You, you got to get this today. Stop looking at all your silly little issues because they're silly. All the problems you have, all the 
emotions you have. I cannot stress this fact enough to you that in soon, before you know it, you will not be here no more. Your entire life is gone. It's useless, worth nothing. I've told you 10,000 times. So why do we waste all of our time on emotions that have no eternal value? I choose every day to try and live for something eternal. And that's God. Every situation you face in your home or in your jobs, whatever your giant may be, you need to get a better perspective of it today. You can overcome anything with God on your side. David saw an opportunity when everybody else saw an issue. It was the enemy of David. See, I like how my friend taught me, your enemy announces your anointing. David was not afraid to take on an enemy because his enemy gave him elevation. We see an enemy and we get afraid. We don't realize that when we see an enemy, we should be excited. God's about to promote me. God's about to work on me. David took five stones. You know why? Because, because, because Goliath had four brothers. That's why. He said, I'm not going to kill the whole family. If you read the Bible, which is very good to do, uh, the Bible says that David and his men went on later on and killed the rest of the giants. David knew there was more than one because when you take out one devil, oh, four more coming your way. You see, most of us have a, this is how our life is. We have a big issue surrounded by a bunch of little issues. And we can never focus on little issues because we got big issues. And all of our big issues are very, very small in God's eyes, but to us, they're huge. We need to find freedom in everything we do. David was upset that someone spoke against his God. Somebody say amen. amen. Many times the reason you don't feel rather find freedom is that you're not mad that the devil's messing with your life. See, here, here's the problem. We're upset the devil's messing with our life. That's the problem. Because the, your life is not your own. If you would begin to get angry, Carlos, that the devil is messing with what God can do through you, that's a whole different story and God comes to your aid. I don't, I don't think you understand this. God, you see, when you're sick, and God, you, God, heal me, God, heal me, God, heal me. God will heal you so he can use you, not so you can go back to your life. God does not desire, I don't, I don't think you understand this. God has no desire to have you serve him so that he can't use you. That's completely out of God's spectrum. Everything, the reason you are here is so God can use you. And so if you're here constantly and God doesn't use you, I would challenge you what God you're serving. Got a couple of quiet hmms. Heard a couple of hmms. I need you to understand this. If you're not being used by God, um, then what's in you? See, see, I'll put it to you like this. When I put gasoline in my car, whether I like it or not, my car is going to use the gas. That's how it works. That's what makes it go. And so if I put God inside of me, he's what makes me go. And so if I'm not going for God, then what's inside of me? What am I really putting inside of me? It's just, I, I just don't get this. And every time when my gas tank gets low, about every two months, I put in, I put in one of those fuel injection cleaners so that the way I spit out the gas in my engine can be cleaned properly. And what I'm saying is every few months, you should really get before God and see what really kind of life you're living to clean all the garbage out of those receptors of God and how God's not operating in your life? If God's not in you, then what is motivating you to live? I don't think, you are just a pawn 
in this cosmic battle of good and evil. No, no, seriously, no, I'm, I'm not kidding. You're nothing. Don't you realize something? Your whole life is summed up in a couple of words. Either God uses you or the devil uses you. There's no, there's no in-between. There's no, I'm just living for me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's no me. You are, you are nothing. There's no me. It's God or the devil. And if you're not doing for God, who are you doing for? Think about that. I don't want to beat you up today. Satan is not worried about you. Satan's not mad at me. He doesn't hate Pastor Lewis. He hates what God can do through Pastor Lewis. The devil doesn't hate Monty Lou. He hates what God can do through her. He's not, he is not mad at you, Selena. He doesn't want God to do something through you, Janet, Mike. He's not mad at you. When he attacks your life, he doesn't care about you. He's trying to stop what God's doing through you. And if you would be so stubborn to not let God use you because you have issues, then he wins. I don't think you get this. We just, we're so worried. Lord, the devil's messing with me. And God's like, no, he's not. He's messing with the anointing I gave you. Oh, God, the devil made me so mad today. I had a tough week, a rough month. My whole life sucks, God. Oh, and the devil's not after you. He's after what I am trying to do through you because what you have now is temporary. But there will be a day where you can come with me and live eternally. Don't you? I need you to understand this. This week when somebody upset you, be like, oh, my God. I get it. You're being used by the devil. I'm going to go to the store and one of those cashiers get me upset. I rebuke you, Satan. Just, I'm not going to let my Jesus be lost because of you. Can I tell you something? The devil's plan is to get you to talk to him. <clears throat> no, I'm serious. Think about it. I go to Mike. I tell Mike a list of mean things and it upset Mike. Mike's first reaction is to do what? Yell at me, scream at me, cuss me out, right? The devil's trying to get the devil in me to talk to him. It's not going to happen. You have to realize the devil is trying to provoke you. Like a child who tries to provoke their parents. You tell that child, don't you talk back to me. They're sucking their teeth. I hear, I hear my cousin tell, I'm going to knock all those teeth out. Suck your teeth at me, boy. The devil cares not about you. And I don't mean to sound mean. I don't mean to put it as a morbid thing, but the devil's not interested in you. He's interested in what God can do through you. You think he's been attacking you, but he's been attacking what God can do through you. If you would stop for one second and begin to rebuke the devil for attacking what God is trying to bring through you, you would see a total different response from him, and I guarantee that you will find a different level of freedom. As David was upset, because why? He said, who is this dude who's talking about God? Who is this guy who's talking against my God? He says, the living God. There's tons of gods, but mine is the living God. Who is this guy who talks against my God? Your problem is that you're worried about people who are talking about you and not about God. We dislike people. I don't care who you are. 85% of you hate somebody. Oh, yes, it's the truth. Especially most of us are Spanish. Come on. <laughs> Think about it right now. There's somebody in your life you do dislike. 
You strongly dislike them. But God loves them just like he loves you. And the devil's using you to hinder what God is trying to do. Everything in your life, everything you faced, every negative consequence that has come into your path has been about one thing, and that is about stopping the God-given gift you have. Every bad circumstance, if you've been molested, you've been raped, you've been beaten, you've been battered, you've been cheated on, you've been hurt, you've been exposed to addictions, whatever it is, it's all for one thing, to stop what God desires to do through you. Everything you face, marital problems, children problems, death in your family, it's just to dissuade you from loving God. Just to stop God from working through you. And if you get so caught up in your emotions, emotions are indicators, not facilitators. They're supposed to indicate things, not make you feel certain ways. Emotions are going to let you know where to go, not what to do. Oh, it's too deep for some of you guys. But you understand, God is trying to burst something through you. You have to get out that pity. God is trying to work in you. Mike. You got this? I could preach to you then, all right. David was upset that someone was offending his God. David comes up to the camp, and, and you see his brothers. His brothers are very touchy with him. I could really see this whole thing playing. If I was there, I would have probably jumped right in it. Because, he, you know, David's talking to somebody, and his brother comes behind him, and he's like, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be talking about battle. You're just a shepherd boy. You ain't nothing. And David, you know, David said, I can't even say anything. That's what the Bible says. Like, I cannot even speak. Who, what, what, just leave me alone. David did something, though. He did not react to his family. I think many of us need to learn this, myself included. He did not react to his family's bad attitude. He did not react to his family's gossip. He did not react to his family issues. He didn't. He said, the Bible says he turned away and talked to somebody else. He did not react to it. I think God's trying to teach me something. Well, somebody, you, everybody knows you got a brother, a sister, a cousin, somebody. God says, don't react to them. Turn away and keep on talking about me. Turn away and keep on doing my will. Finally, this word got to Saul about what David was saying. Saul was in his tent hiding. Saul was in his tent cowering. Saul was in his tent being fearful. And let me remind you, if you haven't heard me say it before, leadership reproduces itself. I don't think you know this. I don't think you get it. The Bible says that Saul was a man, he was a head taller than any man in the Israelite camp. He was the biggest Israelite there was. He was big. And the Bible says that he was cowering and hiding in his tent. And the Bible says that when Goliath would come out, all of the people would run and hide in their tents. Why? Because their leader did it. And leadership reproduces itself in other people. He should have been fighting. He hid his fear by offering a reward to whoever would fight Goliath. But leadership cannot hide. All his men were dejected. They were cowardly. If Saul would have stood up and, and chased after God, all of his men would have done it too. What does that mean if you stand up? Men of God, listen to me. If you would stand up and follow God, your family would do it. Women, if you would stand up and follow God, your children would do it. If we would, if we would stop cursing, our kids might stop cursing. If you have a nasty attitude, your kid will have a nasty attitude. If you're unfaithful to God, your kids will be unfaithful to God. 
It's, it's just the truth. That's just the way it works. You can tell some kids who they are by the drama they have in their life. Well, I know whose kid that is. <laughs> they act just like their mama. They act just like their daddy. They ain't no good. He's a dirtbag. He's a, he's a dog. Just like his daddy. Anybody ever, you know what I'm talking, the apple don't fall far from the tree? And it's just like, you know these kids and, and the guy was crazy and his kids are crazy and the woman was just full of drama. You have to understand that as a parent and as a leader, whether in a boss or your job, whatever it is, understand this, that every action you take should be reproducible. You can learn a lot from this statement. Every action in your life, you should be proud for somebody else to do it too. If you're doing something you don't want me to do, chances are you shouldn't do it. If, if you're wondering how to raise your kids, do things you'd want them to do and they'll do it. And so Saul is hiding here. All of his men are hiding because the boss is hiding. The king is a coward. He's hiding. Up until this point, David was a servant for Saul. He played the harp for Saul. He was living in the palace with Saul. And Saul knew him, but he didn't know him. And so he walks in and he's like, who is this boy who wants to fight Goliath? You are just a child. You are just a boy. And David said, listen, I fought the lion. I fought the bear. And God has brought me through it. God has taken me through it. And I know that if I put my faith, this whole story is about faith. If I can put my faith in God and my slingshot, I can fight. And I can be victorious. If you would realize that God is trying to get you to operate in faith. You see, David was the shepherd boy. No one could see him as the warrior king. You see, you might just be an usher now, but the the devil doesn't see what God has for you. You might just be someone now, but God has something greater for you. And some people may know you, but not really know you. It's like when you know somebody, but they just come out with things that aren't really true, and, and they don't really know who you are. They don't know your character. They don't know what God has in you. David was not a professional soldier. He had no training in the battle. He had no training in the art of war. But he had one thing, and that is anointing. Understand this. David had nothing. My father would call it the anointed unprofessional. He wasn't a professional, but he had the anointing of God. And if you got the anointing, you don't need nothing else. And because you're anointed by God, you may not feel like it now, but God has something greater in you. I know that God will have me pastor multiple churches. I know. I can't see it now. I don't know how, but I know God will do it. You have to understand this. David was not a professional. He wasn't, he was nothing. He was just a shepherd boy, but God had anointed him to be a warrior king. No military training, but he had training in being obedient to God. When I became a pastor, someone said to me, a very arrogant individual, and they said to me, well, you didn't even have any seminary training. And I was like, well, you do, and you failed your church, so what are you saying to me? I have anointing, and my church has grown by 75% the last two months. You can go by, by poisoning of, of religious doctrine. You can go by anointing. What do you want? Oh, they got very upset with me, but I didn't care. What I said was true. I'm so glad I never went to seminary school. I wasn't poisoned by ideology and doctrine. I wasn't poisoned by all these different doctrinal beliefs. I rely on the Holy Spirit and the word of God. 
I need you to get this picture. I need you to get this picture. And what I'm saying might be a little edgy for some of you guys, but religion has destroyed the world. From the Ottoman Turkish Empire all the way to the Crusades, religion has torn the world apart. World War I and World War II are motivated and predicated by religion. World Trade Center was predicated by religion. The war in Afghanistan, the war in Iraq was all predicated by religion. Genocides all over Africa, killing millions of people, predicated by religion. Religion has destroyed the world. God never desired religion. He desired kingdom. Religion has caused many people, millions and millions of people to die in war, in battle, murdered, killed. And people, I watched a video just the other day of a man in Sudan and the people, the Christian nation, or the, rather the Christians in the nation, he was a Muslim and they took and they accused him of witchcraft and burned him alive in the middle of the street. That's religion. Beat him, a crowd of people, over a thousand people watching and they burned him alive in the middle of the street. Cars driving by like they had somewhere better to be. Religion has destroyed the world we live in. God does not desire religious things. He desires relationship with you. He desires communion with you. God desires that you would have a, have a relationship with him. And because you are faithful and you love God, you don't sin. Not because you have a list of rules. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about God loving you. I can never explain this to you enough. Because I love my wife, I will not go look at other women. And because I love God, I won't sin. It's kind of the same concept. It's not about religion. Religion has destroyed the world. And I rely on the anointing of God, not by political beliefs, not by, but not by schooling or doctrine, but by the anointing of God. The Bible says the anointing breaks the yoke. Jesus followed this suit when he picked his 12 disciples. He picked up commoners. He picked up normal men, fishermen, and tax collectors. And the Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 17 when they were taken to prison and they were described as the men who turned the world upside down. He never picked out somebody with high qualifications. He picked out the commoner. You may feel common. You may feel ordinary. But I can tell you, God can use you if you would surrender your life to him. You don't need to go to some seminary. You don't need to have so much knowledge of God. God can use you just the way you are. God loves you as you are because he made you that way. And as you open the word of God, revelation will come to you. As you open the word of God, things will come to your mind because you rest under the anointing. And David was operating under the anointing of God. And when he was, he was not afraid to face a giant. When you live with education, I know somebody, and don't, don't quote me on this one. I know somebody who's one of the most educated people I know. They have multiple master degrees from Yale. They've been offered to certain scholarships that only one other person in the world has ever been offered. Been pastoring for years but have no members. It's not knowledge. It's not wisdom. It's the anointing of God that attracts people. It's not because of what you are, but what God has made you that people come to an organization. I have a guy that I always run into. He has a doctorate in this, a master's in this, and he has so many degrees in theology, and yet he knows nothing about God. All he knows about is church. And God, Jesus never came for a church. He came to make a body. And so you see these people, and they have all this knowledge and all this wisdom, but yet they do nothing with it. Because God's not.
not interested in folks who just want to get so smart on him. He, I'm telling you, he's really not. God's interested in people who will depend on him. God's interested in people who will rest simply on the anointing of God. I don't know about you, but I'd like to be described as a, as a person who turned the world upside down for Jesus. Acts chapter 17, you should read that scripture. When so powerful and they pull them into prison and they say, these, these are the men. These are them. They're the ones who turn the world upside down by that Christ, that Jesus guy, him. Because of him, they're turning the world upside down. Who does the world say you are? Understand this. David is there. He's not a professional soldier. He's just got the anointing. Somebody say anointing. David had faith. An anointing ready to face the giant of his life. The issue is it, is, is it just wasn't Goliath. See, many think that David killed Goliath, but the Bible says the army was behind Goliath. There was an army of people behind Goliath. Goliath was only one. There were tens of thousands of people behind him. But David knew if I can kill the big one, I can take care of the little issues in my life. If I can get past this addiction that I have. If I, can, if I can get past this homosexuality that has been plaguing your life. If you can get past that, all the little issues will come into play. If you can get past that, that unfaithful spirit you have. If you can get past that devil-faced spirit you have of being one way in church and one way at home. If, if you can get past that religious spirit of coming to church on Sunday but living like the devil all week long. If you can get past that, the rest of your life will fall into place. David, have the anointing. If you can let go of all the garbage in your life and fight this one giant and face this one giant called me, called yourself. If I can, if I can do this, he says, if I can do this, I can defeat the little things in my life like nothing. Saul is trying to outfit David with his armor, but David knows this doesn't fit. David's not interested in being something he's not. He's comfortable as a shepherd who has an anointing. David is comfortable as a shepherd who has anointing. He does not care about anything else. He cares about God. His victory is not in armor or others, but it's just by faith. Somebody say by faith. Your victory is in the living God. And David approaches this Goliath as he defends his God. And I want you to really check this out. One of the most important points I will make all day. The devil does not like you to be good looking. No, I'm serious. The Bible says he looked at David and said, he's rugged and he's handsome and he got upset. I knew the devil was after me for some reason. But when I read that, it just all made sense. Anybody cute in this place? Any beautiful people here? Say, devil, I know you've been messing with me because I look good in my green eyes and just, devil, you are a liar. The Bible says Goliath got upset when he saw that David was handsome. Now, you got that? Take, you can preach that. That can preach all by itself. There's just something about a good-looking preacher, I just tell you. I just don't know. When I see an ugly one, I'm just like, I gotta turn the channel. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's not right, is that? I'm just kidding. But understand, Goliath was upset. 
Because the Bible says David was rugged and he was handsome. Goliath was upset that David was just 17 years old. He said, am I a dog that you come at me with this good-looking little boy? <laughs> he liked it. And, and Goliath, Goliath was very offended. And he began to hurl insults and tried to intimidate David. The Bible says that Saul's, or rather Goliath's spear alone was 13 feet tall. The head of his spear weighed 28 pounds. Just the head of it. I like to see you guys throw a spear that big. They throw a spear almost 20, 30 yards in back those days. A, a couple hundred feet they would throw it. Could you, could you imagine throwing close to 40 pounds of spear? That far, Goliath had six fingers on each hand, six toes. He was 13, his, his, uh, rather he was nine feet tall. The Bible calls it six cubits. This man was huge, and David was just a 17-year-old boy. He was in his shepherd's tunic, walking around probably with very dirty sandals. The Bible describes him, as I said, as rugged. He, he was, the Bible says he was good-looking. He just walked up with his little sling and four or five stones in his pocket. And, and he's not even looking like a warrior. You may not look like a warrior, but yet you have the ability to defeat a giant within you. You may not be dressed to fight, but the, the Bible says you can do it with Christ on your side. If God is for you, none can be against you. We've heard all this story before, but it's all about perception. David perceived that God would give him a victory. What do you perceive when you walk into a situation in your life? What is your perception? Of the giants you face. But here in the story, David is not motivated by perception. Or he's not motivated by how things look. I don't know what your giants are in your life. I don't know what intimidates you in your life. I don't know what keeps you bound in your life. My giants change according to my circumstances. As my church grows, my giants change. That makes sense? As I pray more, my giants change. I'm no longer affected by a giant of distraction. No longer affected by a giant of depression. No longer affected by that stress demon. I'm not affected by those things. He tries to get you with something else. Once you beat homosexuality, he might get you into pornography. Once you beat the drinking, he try and get you to smoke some cigarettes. Have you come to church smelling like Newports? No names. Just throw it out there. That's how, that's how the devil is. And you know what the devil will tell you? Because I was like, I was smoking cigarettes and I was a pastor. When I first, I told you this, and, and my thing was I was smoking a pack a day. When I became a pastor, I said, I got to stop. Pastors don't smoke cigarettes, especially not Newport Hundreds. Maybe a Marlboro Light, but I'm just kidding, no. And so I said, you know what, this is how the devil gets you. I said, let me just cut back. I'm only going to smoke three a day. And you feel good you're only smoking three a day. You feel good that you're only sinning three times a day rather than 20. And he'll get you to feel comfortable in doing less, but not realizing sin is still sin. He'll get you comfortable. You don't sleep around every day. It's just once a week now. 
You're not committing adultery all the time. It's just once a month. It's just a little bit now, Carlos. It's okay. You know what we say? And I'm so tired of hearing this. At least I'm not where I used to be. How many have said that? Come on. God's not interested in that. God does not care about that. He wants to know when you're going to get to the goal. When are you going to get here? When? Maybe I can relate it to you like this. It's like, it's as if when, when someone, you call somebody and say, Janet, you're supposed to pick me up like 20 minutes ago. Where are you? I'm on the highway. Okay. Um, what exit? I'm on the highway. What exit? 14. What? I live off of exit 30. You kidding me? Or even better, I'm on my way. What's that mean? They're walking out their front door. Yes, no? And so God says, hey, where are you? I'm on my way, Lord. I'm just walking out the front door of my spirit, never getting to you. Where are you at? I have need of you. Where are you at in your life? Oh, I'm on my way, God. I'm on the highway, Lord. But in reality, we're nowhere near where God needs us to be. David did not wait. He did not wait. He knew God had something for him. The Bible says that he went quickly to the battlefield. The Bible says that David ran to the battlefield. The Bible says David was excited. He, was, he went right up to, to Goliath and he talked to him and said, listen, I don't know who you think you are, but I'm going to kill you with your own sword. If you read the original translation of the Hebrew, Goliath was so, like, confused that they sent a boy. He told him, I'm going to feed you to the cattle, which is a problem because cattle don't eat meat. And if you read the original Hebrew, that's how confused he was that they sent a boy. He was saying crazy things. When the devil sees you coming to fight him, he's going to be like, what? They've never fought me before. They've always laid down and taken what I have. And, and they, they've never stood up to me before. They never tried stopping. They never really tried fighting it. You getting this? They don't have a history of coming against what I'm trying to do in their life. Why now? It's because of the anointing of God. It makes you bold. Somebody say amen. I believe God has something amazing for each and every one of you. As David said, the battle belongs to the Lord. It's not mine own. This battle is God's. I don't know what your giant is. I don't know what you face in your life. I don't know what circumstances you might have in your home, in your families, in your jobs, in your spirit, in your mind. Whatever it is, the Bible says that the battle is the Lord's. Don't make that statement cliche. Don't make it lose its power. Understand the battle is the Lord's, and I will let God fight for me. For if God is with me, none can be against me. Whatever it is you face, the doubt you face, whatever it is, God says that I can take care of it if you would allow me to. There is no giant too big that you cannot fight. There is no giant too large you cannot overcome. There is nothing, nothing. Faith doesn't ignore the giants. It ignores the giant's power over your life. Faith does not perceive what the enemy is trying to do. It does not care how big he is. It does not care how long you've been addicted. It does not care how long you've had this issue, this problem. Faith does not care. It only sees God. Faith only sees what God can do for you. Many of us have heard the story of David a thousand times. P. 
people who've never picked up a Bible know the story of David and Goliath because it's such a powerful story. It's a powerful picture of how if you have faith, you can overcome anything. If you just believe God, you can overcome anything. Come on, stand with me, church. You can overcome anything. <clears throat> Come on, with every head bowed, every eye closed. If I can get my worship team. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. <clears throat> Come on, right now, I want you to close your eyes and think about this. What giants do you face in your life? What giants do you face in your life? Come on, what has the enemy been trying to pull the wool over your eyes? Come on, a giant of self-esteem, a giant of just depression, a giant of stress. Every day you wake up, you just hate your life. Come on, God says there's hope. God says there's, there's hope beyond what you can see. Come on. Whatever it is you face. Whatever it is you face. You can take it. You can defeat it. Come on. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Come on, there's people here today who are struggling in their relationships and people think they have a strong marriage, a strong relationship, but God says, oh, come on, they're breaking apart at the seams. You seem like the perfect couple, but God says, you're breaking apart at the seams. And God says, I see your pain, I see what you're going through, and you've got to start talking to that giant and rebuking that giant right now. Come on, there's about three women in this place right now who are dealing with extreme self-esteem issues. They absolutely hate themselves. They absolutely hate everything about themselves. And God says, listen, I've made you the way you are and you need to accept it and receive it that I can use you just how you are. Come on, if that's you, you're facing a giant in your life. You're saying, Pastor, I'm facing a giant. I just want to see God move. I want to see God do it. I want to see God move in my life. Come on, that you just raise your hand right now. Thank you, thank you. You say, Pastor, I'm facing a giant in my life. Thank you. I've been running. I haven't been, been, been doing what God wants me to do. Thank you. Come on, if you have your hand up, if I can get my ministers, come on, come to the altar right now. I want to take just five minutes, and I want to pray with you. If you've got your hand up, come on, thank you. I see you guys coming. You say, God, I don't want to do this my way. I want to fight the giant with faith and the anointing. on right now if you're still in your seat there's still room at the front there's still room at the altar there's always room at the cross I've been trying too hard on my own I've been going too long on my own I've been trying too hard on my own I'm just saying God I want you to move in my life come on let's pray to Heavenly Father come on begin to pray over them God I didn't want to live the same way they've been living God they want to live a different life right now, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, just move in our midst right now. Come on, church, begin to lift up your prayers right now. Begin to extend your hands to them and say, God, 
touch them, whatever their giant is, we come against it right now. We come against the giant of divorce, the giant of addiction. We curse it right now. Oh, come on, I dare you to lift your hands up in this place and begin to say, God, move in my life. Come on, God, move in my life. Come on, God, move in my life.
Awaken us, God. Awaken us, God. Come on, tell them one more time. We cry out. We cry out. Come on, I'm crying to you, God. I can't do this on my own, God. I need your power. We cry out. my own, God. We need you. before you we're available for your use God God we want to be anointed as we know we are God we want to see the anointing you have on us God that we can face these giants in our lives God like we're just complete and utter faith God and belief that you would do what you said you would do you've not called me to be in defeat you've not called me to be in defeat but you called me to be a servant of the most living God that my life should be full of victory. My life should be full of prosperity. God, you've not called me this far to let me go now. I believe all these things that you have for me, God, will come to fruition. I believe everything you have for me, God, and so much more. I will not lose my faith while waiting for you. But I see it coming. I see it coming quickly. Come on, this we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout amen. Amen.